Welcome to the Ambassador Lounge Podcast. This is Episode 3, recorded on the 5th of December 2019. Your hosts for today are, Aryan and Greg. Hi, I'm Aryan Schwartz. I'm based in Melbourne, Australia and work as a lead platform engineer at Digio, while also representing our sister brand CMD Solutions in the Ambassador Program. Hi, I'm Greg Coburn from AC3 and I'm the Principal Practice Lead there. We're based in Sydney, Australia. I've been an ambassador now for almost two years and prior to that, I was a warrior for three years. Welcome, we're doing another in-person episode from reInvent. So this time we'll be recapping some of the major announcements. Um, Together with Greg, there's also Jaco. Jaco, can you maybe introduce yourself? Uh, yeah, I'm Jaco Olivier. I'm the um, AWS practice lead at AC3 and um, also helping the organization to manage the uh, relationship between the organization itself and, and AWS. And yeah, that's it. We can go from my side. Cool. So, Theo, let's just have each of you mention something that you really enjoyed coming out of this reInvent, and we'll talk about that. Greg, uh, why don't you start? Yeah, cool. Thanks, Ryan. Um, the big one for me, I think, is, is kind of exciting is the Graviton 2 processor. What do you guys think? Yeah, Graviton 2 is pretty awesome compared to just the simple ARM processors that they came out with last year. This yeah. is such a jump. Yeah. It's basically faster than 5 series processors. Yeah, so they're talking, what is it, up to 7 times faster with 4 times the number of compute cores. So I think that's pretty impressive. You mentioned it's, um, I think it's, what is it, uh, up to five times faster than the current five series instances, which is pretty awesome. What about you? Yeah, I'm, I'm sure that's going to make a massive difference to many uh, customer workloads from price perspective and performance perspective. That will put them in the next next generation from um, from processing and uh, capabilities. So the, the instances that are going to be available are going to be named um, M6G which is a little bit different from the, the A1 processes that they had. There'll be a C and an R version available as well. The M's are expected to be available now, though I can't, haven't actually looked in the console. Anybody looked in the console yet? I think they're still in preview, actually, when I looked earlier. Ah, right. There we go. There's um the, M, the C and R are expected to be available early 2020, and the instances are going to have up to 64 vCPUs. 25 gigabits per second networking and up to 18 gigabits per second of EBS throughput. AWS are also quoting a 40% price performance improvement over x86 generation. That is pretty cool. So obviously it's not for all workloads. Not everything will run perfectly on ARM, but I don't think you can port your, say, SAP applications to it anytime soon. Maybe not, maybe not. (laughs) <laughs> for now, it's always for now. <laughs> for now, yes. But obviously, yeah, for regular websites. Yeah, but so. and that's right. I think there's a lot of, of those types of environments that are going to benefit greatly from that um, processor. And those are the ones that I'm going to be targeting with um, our customers to try and try and understand if there's some benefits that we can get out of it. That 40% price performance is, you know, not only helping our customers' pockets, but ultimately helping the environment do. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about global warming, of right? Of course, of course. Yeah. Um, that's it, though, when you're talking about your customers, let's be clear. We're all Australia-based here. Yeah. 
Ed will probably be allowed before we can use them in Sydney. Sure, sure. But, you know, we can dream. (laughs) (laughs) We can dream. But, yeah, we've got a long list to go through, so we're not going to spend a lot of time on specific things. There'll probably be later episodes where we'll go into more details on some of the things. So, yeah, that's something... So I think um, one of the interesting ones that uh, I think slipped under the covers was the announcement for API Gateway's HTTP endpoints um, or HTTP um, support, So, which is basically um, everything that API Gateway offers without the fancy integration options um, that most of the customers aren't actually using. And it also comes at a benefit of a lower price point. Since we all know, um, it's the API Gateway integration options are great, but it does add additional effort and utilizing this new service from AWS will um, first of all make it easier to do the um, API gateway implementation for more, more common endpoints and um, it's it's faster and cheaper. It sounds exciting to me. Yeah, and I've never heard anybody complain about something being faster and cheaper. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's definitely a good thing. Um, look, the whole API gateway um, is the whole service thing is obviously mm. lots of fun to play around with. Mm. So, do you know yeah. how it compares to the ALB today offering? I mean, with the ALB offering, it's all VPC based from from utilization perspective. The HTTP endpoint, um, as far as I understand, was a um, sort of a request by customers to say, "Well, we don't need all the capability that API Gateway offers." From a speed perspective, I'll need to do some homework. Uh, I've just heard about it, so. I would say, yeah, it's it's much better, um, but I'll, I'll have to confirm that. Awesome. Let me just throw one in for myself that I actually quite like, which is the Fargate spot instances. Mm. Oh, yeah, definitely. Fargate, when it initially launched, it was quite expensive. Mm-hmm. It got a price drop earlier this year. Firecracker. Yeah. When Savings Plan launched, it included Fargate as well, which gives some massive price performance, mm. but with spot instances, it's even better for running those temporary workloads to just spin something up, spin it up, just the same way as with easy to instance it. Mm. I have to see how it goes in reality, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say if you if you combine that with the EKS capability in Fargo, I mean, those that's, two things together, um, I'm pretty sure a lot of people are smiling at the moment. I'm just not sure exactly if it's in Sydney yet. I'm pretty sure it's... Um, it's probably on its way, um, but I haven't checked the release notes on it. What about local zones? I think that one's kind of interesting too. Yeah, uh, local zones sounds pretty awesome to me. So that that would, for us in, a, in Australia, we could be able to hopefully maybe have one in, in Melbourne or maybe Perth? over in Perth. That's oh, right. Yeah. I think Perth will definitely um, benefit from that. A um, few, few thousand kilometers worth of fiber optic cable, you know, less. <laughs> um, That's quite a long way. Yeah, because yeah. as you know, right, so uh, local zones are an extension of an existing region, yeah. So that's a pretty that's a pretty long extension. local zone. Um, <laughs> but I mean, I think if I think if we have uh, enough customers pushing pushing the buttons from AWS, maybe we can get one there. So currently, local zones are available in uh, Los Angeles, and that's that's an extension to the Oregon region. It's kind of like a, an idea of to be able to run some of the services uh, a little bit closer to home for for some people. Yeah, it sounds a bit to me like it's a managed outpost. Mini availability zone. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's uh, maybe a bit like the Osaka region. Yeah. Uh, except without all the capabilities. Mm. 
And that's that's a good segue into our next one then, I Outposts oh. are now available. It's <laughs> amazing. After a year. <laughs> so there's there's gonna be two variety of outposts, an AWS outpost and a VMware on AWS version as well. So it's just the AWS one that's available now. Apparently you can go into the console and order it. In, what happens after that I'm not sure. In Australia. It's it's available. It is. Yes. 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 Yes, you can you can have your own AWS it in Australia. It doesn't actually say Sydney; it says Australia. So, Perth, <laughs> you can build your own AWS if you like. So, from my understanding, uh, the moment you click, I want to order this, you are basically asking for a phone call from somebody from AWS because there's a whole lot of things around it. Not only do you need to pay a massive amount of money, you also <laughs> have to make sure that you have a secure environment to put the hardware. I'm sure the sales team will be fighting over that phone call. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. What else have you got? Um, Well, from my side, um, coming from a health IT background not too long ago, there's, I mean, the features have been always been available between Transcribe and Comprehend, but a brand new feature that they've launched as part of it is um, the capability to do um, transcriptions and actually making sense or comprehension um, using Comprehend from medical terms and uh, medical um, sort of patient transcripts. So the intent behind that is as uh, Comprehend reads the data or the description between uh, the patient and the doctor, it can actually understand certain keywords or concerns within the context. I mean, this this is not something new, but this will allow existing and historical data to be processed, determining key sort of um, patient concerns. And I'm pretty sure the next step will be uh, machine learning, taking that information and processing uh, medical views and uh, making uh, determinations so within seconds. Diagnostics? Diagnostics within seconds from um, the patient and, and, and doctor discussion. So that's my opinion on it. I've got a little bit of a passion for it. Um, what do you guys view? I don't know. I think the biggest thing will be not having to try and read those doctor's rules. <laughs> <laughs> that said, uh, I'm curious. It's both transcribed and comprehend, as you say. Yeah. How long do you think it will be before somebody hooks it up to connect and basically you can get a initial phone call? So and instead of Dr. Google... Dr. AWS. <laughs> yeah. Um, they, they don't call it a, a diagnosis. Um, it's called, um, you can't call it a diagnosis because it's not a, it's not a doctor that saw you, but I'm pretty sure they'll come up with some name. Um, it's a, the, the word escapes me now. Um, but yes, I'm pretty sure Dr. AWS, um, will be Dr. Google not too long from now. <laughs> it sounds interesting to me as well. Unfortunately, from what I remember when, I think Comprehend Medical came out last year already, and Transcribe was added this year, but Comprehend Medical was not available yet in Australia or anywhere outside of the US, I think. Yeah, it's now, as far as I double-checked, it's now generally available, and um, and in, um, I think, Sydney as well. Okay, yeah, yep, this um, is actually really awesome. If I'm wrong, um, I do apologize, but I'm pretty sure I did the homework. That's okay. We'll make sure everybody hears that you made a slight mistake. <laughs> it happens to everyone. But we've had we've had some long nights here. <laughs> yes. You have yeah. another one? Speaking of Connect that I didn't uh, remember until just now is Contact Lens. I don't know if you guys remember that one. Uh, contact Lens for Connect is... Oh, yes. Yes. yes that's right. that, that was interesting. Yeah, which basically almost is what I just described for uh, hooking up the medical 
stuff. It's all of the transcribe, comprehend, mm. sentiment analysis, near real time, basically available as a dashboard for your contact centers. Yeah, um, because, I mean, we've actually had a, um, a discussion with some of our sales teams and um, their opinion was, you know, um, we need to meet up or meet certain capabilities that commercial contact center um, software providers offer. And, I mean, yes, you could stitch a few things together in Connect with other services and get that capability, but Connect Lens, putting it all together, offers you as everything in you know, one, one little package. Um, you don't need to do the heavy lifting anymore. Yep. I think the key here is that AWS is kind of offering every developer an option. So regardless yeah. of, of your capability, maybe you don't have the capability in the telephony and call center world, now you've got an option that you don't need to know all of those pieces to glue it all together because there's that option and your capability is somewhere else. So your organization can now benefit from, from that capability. But if you need to build something quite detailed, you can pull all the pieces apart and mm. build it how you want to build it needed. Yep. You got options now. Exactly. And you don't have to know everything to jump in and get started. Right. Do you have another one? Yeah. Um, these three access points. I think this one's pretty cool. You know, I've been in the world where I've put together a few serverless applications or even applications that started to use um, components and do integrations inside of AWS. And one of the things, one of the pain points that I've had is you ended up with multitudes of buckets because your segregation was at a per bucket layer. With access points, you can now take a bucket and carve it up and have one available to just one particular VPC, for example, or put policies on it. And maybe you can have one that does is doing writes, so you're dumping in your content, and then uh, a lambda function may be kicking off or something like that. And another one that's being dumped into from that process to be able to be shared for whatever downloading or whatever the next capability is required. I think that's really really awesome, and I didn't even know I needed it until it was announced. Yeah, no, <laughs> I completely agree. It sounds Really useful. Well, they mm-hmm. mentioned it as uh, something that is, would be great for data lakes. It's just generally useful to easily be able to segregate read and write sure one application. Uh, Sorry. Um, I think just uh, one thing on top of that is um, it simplifies that messy bucket policies you have to manage for 10 or 20 or 30 users mm-hmm. um, and all the access and the IAM behind that. You now have the ability to, you know, the fine-grained access control is always there, but I'm pretty sure this will allow it to be easier to do that sort of um, segregation of right. um, responsibilities. And um, it's now you, have, now you only have to have one bucket for many people. Yep. What about you, Yaku? What's next on your list? I think uh, something that really um, didn't make it up to all of the um, you know fancy announcements was a few things around um, Amazon Athena. I mean, Athena has been around for a while. It's a great service. A little bit limited in its capabilities. And I think um, up to this point, what uh, was announced is the ability to run federated queries on Athena. So basically, um, how it all fits together is you put a little, and it's always a Lambda. There's always a Lambda involved, but there's a connector Lambda that uh, manages the connection to sort of any data source. It can be RDS, any database, or, or any anything else you would like to connect to. And you can now basically combine data from that data source with data directly from S3, run one query, and produce results. You know, within within seconds. Um, and you don't have to do, you know, as we always say, the undifferentiated heavy lifting to build all kinds of Java functions to pull it all together. So, what do you think we can be? What what do you think we can accomplish with that in future? Uh, well, it kind of means that you have to, you can remove some of your ETL programs. Definitely. 
depending on the type of things that you're trying to query. And that, that could save you quite a lot of time, money, and engineering effort looking up that stuff. I would agree with those. Yeah. So, so that's, that's definitely better. Um, and I, I think uh, another thing I just want to uh, point towards, and, and this was a small announcement, was that Athena now has the additional feature, and I think they, uh, they're putting the service up to sort of compete with some of the larger, uh, what are traditional big data engines. You can now run user-defined functions or generate a user-defined functions and use it in your queries. Primary purpose for that might be um, if you've got encrypted data on S3, while running your query, um, you can have it act as a KMS key, decrypt your data on the fly, um, or if you've got some encoding values, so that is definitely something that I think can be used. Um, so from from my side, I think that covers Athena. There's like four or five more. Any um, other uh, service item that you think is worthwhile mentioning here? Actually, uh, something I want, want to mention, which is not technically a service. Actually, it's not a service at all. Is <laughs> what Werner announced this morning, the new builders library. Oh, oh yes. yes, definitely. That's a good one. Mm. Yeah. So what that basically is, is a library of documents from some of the smartest people at AWS, how they built their distributed systems. Mm. You might wonder, do they have any experience with that? Well, maybe. <laughs> well, I think there's a, there's a whole organization that runs a giant e-commerce platform for them to, <laughs> to, to take some of those learnings from. Not exactly. to mention AWS itself. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I think... The best behind that um, and what I was sort of um, happy about that, that um, announcement was, I mean, there's architecture books, hundreds of them, thousands of them published over the past 20 years. But I think where AWS is going, launching um, or publishing all of their knowledge is taking a lot of that experience and making it um, more accurate for AWS services, allowing you to basically build with new generation technology mm-hmm. and not just, you know, 20-year-old. Um, you know, architecture books, I think it puts it in practice now. Yeah, I think um, Werner had a very good point during his talk as well, is that what you build today is not going to be what the application looked like in two or even one year. Yes. So it keeps evolving everything that AWS brings up. Yeah. So and that's, yeah, why I think the library is a great resource. And it's also, uh, there's not that much material on it yet. Uh, that's obviously, it. because it's just started, but still it has various levels of difficulty from level 200 to 400, mm-hmm. where the 400 ones go very deep into the woods and just make sure you can find your way out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, we can we can use an AWS map for that next year, probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so, so speaking of architecture, there's, there's uh, one on the cards here. Um, the uh, managed Apache Cassandra service, which I'm sure some people are going to be very excited about. I, I'm not sure who, but I know that there's plenty of people out there that run some fairly large Cassandra databases, so it'll be interesting to see um, how this service compares to, to that for them. Um, I, I agree with that. Um, I myself have not you know, had the, the pleasure of dealing with Cassandra. That's a joke. Um, but um, colleagues of mine, managing clusters is not the easiest world. No. Um, I think AWS has really uh, launched a service that will be utilized by many and it will make the life of, I think, a lot of operations team lead very, very happy. Mm. Yeah. I haven't looked into this one yet myself, no. but I, from what I heard, it is more run like a Dynamo than, for example, DocumentDB. Ah, okay. So it doesn't, you wouldn't even have insight into the underlying 
cluster, which again makes it even easier. Yeah, I think um, I think one of the, the the nice features of it is it manages the sizing of tables and everything on your behalf. It's it's a uh, well, it's it's a click and forget service. I'm very very sure that. Um, it will be used, I think it's a preview at the moment, but it will definitely be used a lot. What else have you got on your list? Well, um, I think the, the interesting one, doing a bit of um, search in, the, in my, my many years career, is the uh, announcement of Amazon Kendra. Basically, um, think of it as the, the fancy machine learning enriched enterprise search. So the intent behind it is you basically point your data at it, it indexes it, it determines from everything that you've uh, loaded into the cause what the type of questions are that you can ask. So you can just ask it a natural language question and we'll go and find the answer and present the answer in like real terms, not just, you know, here's a, a snippet of some content. Um, have you had a look at that? I just remember that there was a, a lot of, a lot, a huge number of connectors that are coming out of the box. Like, oh, yeah. Um, SharePoint, Dropbox and... Confluence, yeah. Jira, oh, yes. yeah. which are obviously all the Salesforce even. So all the big ones that you might have to deal with usually as an enterprise, which, and, but especially the things like Dropbox and SharePoint mm. make it really interesting because there you Very can just, just Word documents or presentations yes. or I, none of us have an idea of how well it will actually pass that. So there might be some questions around that. Sure. I think Dr. Wood gave a good example on stage. He used the one where, uh, what time does the help desk open? Oh, yeah. And of yes. course, where he said is well, what that would naturally do in the past, it would have just done a, a match on the, the terms used. So if time and help desk kept showing up in a document, maybe not related to the time that the help desk opened, that document would get a higher priority. But with the machine learning that you talked about, it matches the word time and says, oh, I need to look for documents that have time in it and use that as a search criteria, which would make other documents come higher up ranked in the, in the search result. When it was indexing, it's doing a regular expression to find dates and time. Mm, and I think the best is it doesn't just give you the document. It actually generates a sentence out of the document with a real natural answer. I think... Um, that is the key feature of it. I'm pretty sure this service will be improved over many years and it will become the de facto search engine. We hope. Very cool. Yeah. I do think at the moment, uh, just I had a quick look at the pricing for it. It's not cheap. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think uh, if it's aimed at the enterprise, is it ever cheap? <laughs> exactly. And so if you have an enterprise uh, where a lot of people are using it, it is very likely that the savings, I, I assume that is the idea behind it, that it may cost something, but the savings in time and getting the answers you need Correct. will, yeah. Um, That's always the thing, everyone has to, you have to work out what does that mean to you as a whole, not just on the service cost itself. Yeah, like if you have the requirement for that specific service, or if it will have a nice benefit from the business perspective, if you had to put it together, what's the actual value? And if you really do the the... Uh, the sums on the, the back end, um, it's normally not that expensive. I'm sort of, I um, just want to throw this in here. Since we're on the topic of search, um, ultra warm. Hot. Yeah. <laughs> warm, warm plus plus. Yeah, warm plus plus. So, um, there was a, a feature, uh, released, um, and mentioned by, by Andy on the uh, keynote. Um, it basically offers you, um, you know, like hot storage for, um, Elasticsearch. 
because um, the, the problem was always you know hundreds of gigabytes worth of data or log files that got ingested and it became a really expensive exercise to run your um, Elasticsearch clusters. This now basically manages a uh, well as you know ultra wall a, a hot layer um, behind your primary disks and it will automatically manage and move parts of the indexes that are not utilized that much from from a cost perspective um, for for some organizations that run large indexes of um, log files and you know maybe other data as well i really see that as a major benefit it has always been a problem with large indexes yeah speaking of storage related things and speeding them up rds proxy oh yes rds proxy very good yes yes I can see that one being very useful for many people. It's, yeah, a good, um, my understanding, it allows you to spin up proxy server of sorts, as the name implies, for your Aurora cluster, I think also for some of the RDS types. Yes. And you can access that much faster. Um, Have you had a look at the price, though? I haven't, <laughs> but I believe it is completely still in, in, preview? in preview. Right. Right. It'd be interesting to see when that one comes up. Yeah, I think the the major one was um, if you if you really have a lot of connections from uh, a high volume of lambdas, just being able to point it to the proxy and it manages the connection pooling for you. I think I think that's the key feature behind it. Um, I mean, lambda connecting back to the RDS that's fine, but I think the connection pooling aspect behind that um, will save a lot of DBAs, a lot of units. Very much. Speaking of lambda and DBAs, there's there's also um, developers that are building these Lambda functions, and now with CodeGuru, they can have a, a, a machine learning and AI capable um, code review with CodeGuru, so that's pretty cool, I reckon. Yeah, I'm sure it will become really cool once it supports other languages than Java. Sure, sure. <laughs> but it's, it's aimed at the enterprise market. So just remember, yeah. <laughs> who has the most Java? <laughs> Oh yeah, okay. I understand that part. I know, and obviously, uh, Java is, as Dave mentioned, is used a lot internally by Amazon and AWS, which is why it's the primary focus. Mm. So they've used their um their experience in code reviews for the last few years inside of Amazon, and um and they're able to now kind of use this capability to do reviews of the code. Today, it hooks up with GitHub. And code commit, and you can just do your normal pull request as you would when you're submitting code, and and, and it does a review. And so, it's available in Sydney. And it's available in Sydney. But pretty. What's the price? Um. Yeah. That that's the interesting thing. Um, <laughs> I think we've been a few discussions about there, that. Yeah. There has <laughs> been. Um. I think the interesting arguments um that I followed on Twitter was uh, how does it work? It's um, I think 75 cents per 100 lines can per month, um, whatever that means. Um, but as we joked earlier, it's, it's aimed at the enterprise market with Java. So um, it's... Yeah, that's that. I can just uh, foresee a future where it's, it's available for a Node.js and a developer accidentally adds uh, all the dependencies and mm-hmm. does a pull request. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, don't dependencies come with pull requests depending on what you do with your code? It's like it's, I would like to see exactly how it determines what scans and what's costed. Yeah, yeah. very yeah. much so. 
also Code Guru has Profiler. So yep. that's kind of, uh, you know, think of a traditional profiler kind of mixed in with an APM tool. You include the library and it's going to give you some flame graphs about what your methods are doing in near real time. Um, so you can kind of make some savings there and make your code a little bit faster. So I think that's pretty cool as well. I'm sure some good improvements can come out of that. Ultimately, if you can make your code faster, it means you spend less CPUs, which means you save the planet, right? Yes. Yep. Global warming. <laughs> <laughs> but coming, just coming back to Code with uh, the pull request part, what I actually quite like about it is that they not just give a, hey, this is bad, but they actually, based on the internal Amazon AWS best practices, tell you how you should improve it. it would, I would love to see it improve over time even and just recommend how to change your code. Or just code it for you. Machine learning is, well, that's next-gen code guru. Right, that's right, right? So in, like, in the pull request in GitHub, you can now make recommendations and have them so it could just make a recommendation and you as the pull request opener can go in and approve CodeGuru's review. Product feature request. We just There we one. go. There we go. <laughs> All right. What else is on your list? Um, well, from my side, um, a feature that's uh, just been launched um, in, in preview um, is Amazon Detective. And uh, I think once they've worked out all the kinks and made a GA, um, this will make a lot of the uh, um, CISOs or sort of uh, security engineers and practice managers and organizations very happy. It's basically a tool set that offers you a one view across um, an incident or a potential incident um, that has um, occurred in the organization. Um, it basically uses information from various AWS services, uh, CloudTrail, CloudGuru, um, BBC Flowlogs, and I'm pretty sure a few other bits and pieces as well. I mean, this then gives you um, the incident definition and it also generates a unified view across all the resources that's connected or interacts with that specific uh, or as part of that incident. Um, so you can visualize exactly what's going on in the environment, where to happen. Um, what do you guys think about that? It sounds awesome just to find out what happened to the incidents. Again, it's something that I would really have to see in practice because this is so easy to get wrong and it is so important to get it right. Mm. Yes, mm. yes. I mean, especially, um, I mean, if you've got a, a small WordPress site, maybe not, but if you run a large organization um, with thousands and thousands of resources to pinpoint exactly where it occurred and where, um, what the impact of it is, it mm. might be a, an SSH key that got leaked somewhere, knowing exactly where that SSH key is linked to, that will be very, very beneficial. I think in an enterprise environment, this will definitely help a lot of people gain some sleep. Let's do one last one. It's, I know you two also quite, I find quite interesting, which is the fraud detector. Yes. Mm. Um, so, um, I mean, fraud detector is, um, as, as they state, it's, it's still in preview, but it, um, they took all the knowledge over 20 years from AWS and Amazon.com to um, build fraud models and um, you can now have as a service you can send it a bit of data and it will tell you if the transaction is fraudulent or not it, it, they say if it, it will cover registrations and mm. financial transactions and I'm pretty sure they'll add a few things over the years to come what do you think about that? yeah it's a similar type of service as personalized that they released mm. last year which mm. was also again based on things that Amazon already does themselves 
Yeah. And now gives you the option yeah. as well. Yeah. So, yeah, it, this is, I can see use cases for it everywhere because fault detection is such a hard problem to tackle. And if the solution works as well as it seems to from the little I've seen, then this will definitely be something that's worth it for a lot of customers um, anyone mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I mean, I think just to, to add a last piece to that is this technology sort of exists, but only the banks can afford it. This now basically puts it in, well, you know, everyone's hands. That's right. That's yeah. right. And that's often what AWS is up to, commoditize these things. Yes. I'm going to sneak in one little last one that we heard today from Glenn Gore. Savings plans for Lambda. Yes. Uh, I think that's kind of interesting. I don't know anything more. It was snuck in on a slide deck somewhere that I, I got a, uh, a photo of shared with me. So I think that's kind of cool. Uh, it's probably coming. Not yet available. I think if it was available at this moment, I definitely would have been a bit louder about it. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Um, that said, it probably won't be too far away, and yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing how this is going to be. I see in a lot of organizations now that there's so much Lambda running that they definitely go beyond their free tier. Yeah. So it will be good to see how much this will actually save them. Correct, correct. Hey, and I, I think I want to just jump in with one little thing. If you want to hear more, why don't you come to our reInvent recaps that we're having next week in Melbourne on Monday. Yaku is is being a hero and is flying from Las Vegas into Sydney and then jumps on a plane the next day heading down to Melbourne. So so thank you, Yaku. That will be a pleasure um, for those coming. Uh, I'll see you there and we can have a chat about all these fancy launches. Yeah. On Sydney, um, uh, sorry, on Tuesday, we'll be in Sydney um, for uh, together in the AWS offices. Uh, and then on Friday, I'm going to fly up to Brisbane to see all the Brisbane folks and, and give them a recap. If you want to register... Uh, head to ac3.com.au forward slash ac3-event-registration or we'll have it in the notes. Thank um, you very much, Ian, for having us. It's been yeah. awesome. Thank you for joining me here. It's always good to have a little quick recap. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, thank you. Um, and thank you all for listening. Next week, we'll have another reInvent-related episode. This time, it's all about Deep Composer, which is a fun new toy that Edward gave us. So, tune in next week. Thanks, guys. This has been an episode of Ambassador Lounge Podcast. Thank you for listening.